that's sure to come out today. I tried, last week I tried trousers and I, I overheated, I'll be honest. It was a little bit warm. But um, hopefully we'll try and keep things as cool as we can uh, this morning. Um, but I, I just want to start, um, I think it was a, a famous philosopher um, that once said, that life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And I think there's quite a lot of truth in that. You know, we have good days and we have bad days. We face highs and we face lows. Now, a week ago at the World Cup, the Japanese football team looked like they were having a great day. And apologies to those of you who do not want to hear any more about football. This is a good story. Um, apologies particularly to Brazilians in the room. I say no more. Um, but for the Japanese, they had a disastrous moment. They were, with 20 minutes to go, they thought they were going through to the next round of the, of the World Cup. Um, and, um, but then they let a goal in. And then they let another goal in. And then with 30 seconds to go in injury time, they let a third goal in, which basically meant that they went up, they went home, and they had the most disastrous day. And so it really was the most dramatic and kind of heartbreaking of circumstances. Now, if I was in that position, sorry, excuse me, if I was in that position, I'd be feeling quite upset. I don't know about you. Probably be feeling a little bit angry, a little bit cross. But the Japanese are a different breed. You know, these guys, you know, rather than going in and trashing their changing room or blaming the referee, as I probably would have done, they humbly went over to their fans, and you can see that in this image here, to share in their disappointment. And then they went back to their dressing room, cleaned and tidied it, and even left a thank you note to their host. And you know, it wasn't just the fans, and we can see it here in this image. Their fans were also seen cleaning up at the end of the game. They brought in rubbish bags so they could tidy up after themselves, which is just incredible, I think. Their reaction to, to this crushing disappointment is quite astounding. Um, the Christian pastor and author Charles Swindle, he said that life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. And I wonder this morning, do we choose to let the lows of life excuse our behaviour, how we treat others, how we treat ourselves, or do we build our life on something else and choose to act differently in this world? even using our brokenness to live for others. You know, perhaps this morning you come in and today is a good day. But perhaps it's a bad day. Maybe you're facing relationship problems, grief, loneliness, shame. You know, we all suffer from different things at different times in life. But, you know, as Jesus told his followers, in this world you will have trouble. But we can take part because he will overcome the world. So today what we're going to be doing is we're picking up our series on Matthew. We've been looking at, um, over the last year or so, we've been looking at life with Jesus. Um, and today we're going to see how the Jesus' disciples deal with a literal storm, a, a real low in their life. So um, before we do that, can you just pray together? We're going to turn to the Bible in just a moment, but can I just pray for us as we start this morning? Lord, I thank you so much that you are there with us in whatever we're facing right now. Whether we're going through a high point or a low point, you are there in the middle of that. 
And so I'm going to ask God that as we unpack these uh, these words uh, from the Bible, Lord, I pray that they would uh, breathe, new, breathe new life into them so that we might hear something from you that's precious to us. Not that we would kind of walk away um, and everything stay the same, but Lord, that we would be changed by something. We ask that in your precious name. Amen. So I'm, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 14 this morning. For many of you, this may well be quite a familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, we're going to read from verse 22, which is where Jesus walks on the water. One of those most famous kind of miracles that we see in the Bible. So let's start from verse 22. If you've got Bibles, devices with you, let's read from there. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake, as he did. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. When they crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all who were ill to him and begged him to choose begged him to let those who were ill just touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. Amen. It's a great passage, isn't it? And I just want to say, you know, you may have heard that many times before. You may find yourself this morning exploring even who Jesus is. And I I just want to say you're so welcome, and I hope some of what I'm going to share with you this morning will be of help to you. You know, I, I really love this story. It's a story I remember reading when I was much, much younger. And I love the whole walking on water. I love like, the impetuousness of Peter, how he always just wants to have a go. But, you know, I think this story goes a whole lot deeper than just that. I think this is a story about trust. It's a story about who or what we fix our eyes on. You know, it's a universal story of what happens when things go wrong in life, when the rug is pulled from out from underneath us. And so, maybe controversially, rather than focus on the, on the walking on water, I just want to unpack what Jesus' disciples can teach us about coping with the storms of life. Now, if we start with verse 25, it says this, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It was a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. 
know, this is the scene. The, the disciples have rowed out into the middle of the lake. It's late. The sun's gone down. And when it, when it gets dark, you know, it's really dark. You know, pitch black dark, like when you're out in the middle of nowhere. And then the wind starts picking up. The waves start getting higher and higher. You know, a storm was brewing. And in that part of the world, when storms come, they come quickly and they come powerfully. You know, the wind would be howling. And this small boat that they were in was getting battered by the waves. It's going back and forth. And they are far from land and safety. And if that wasn't scary enough, just before dawn, this mysterious figure appears from the shadows, walking towards them on the water. And quite rightly, they are scared. They're petrified. And this figure just says to them, do not be afraid. You know, there's about 365 references to the term, do not be afraid or have courage, be calm, in the Bible. In other words, God knows that is something we all need to face. And there's one for every day for us, isn't there? There are times in our life where we need to know that we can trust God. Do not need to be afraid. And I think that's a reminder for some of us this morning. Do not be afraid. I am with you. I think for many of us, we can spend so much time occupied with anxiety or worry. But Jesus, as we sang earlier, came to set us free. You know, I think sometimes we have this picture of an angry God wanting to get even with us for all the times we've messed up. When the reality is he sent Jesus to us to be with us and to welcome us back to God. So when we face storms in our own lives, how, how do we cope? Do we get scared like the disciples in our story? You know, the disciples have been hanging out with Jesus for a while now, and yet they didn't recognize him when he comes to them. The disciples have literally just seen him feed 5,000 people. They've seen him heal countless others. They've seen him raise someone from the dead, and yet they still don't recognize their leader, their friend. You know, when they see this figure coming towards them, their first reaction is, it's a ghost. You know, I think we need to learn, too, to recognize Jesus in the storms of our lives. You know, sometimes it can feel like he's just not there. But I believe that it's in those times that he longs to be closest to us. You know, Jesus realizes that his friends are in this middle of the storm, of this crazy storm, and he comes towards them. And he comes towards us, too, in our pain, in our brokenness, and in our loneliness. And like the disciples, I think we have to choose how we respond to him. You know, the disciples respond, you know, first of all, they just ask, who is it? You know, as you would when you see some kind of figure in the middle of the night like that. And they're probably hoping for this really good, helpful answer, seeing as they're completely scared of this. But all they get is this. Take courage. It's me. Or as the first two words are interpreted in other versions, be of good cheer. They're scared out of their minds. They think they're about to die. And someone, this mysterious figure on the water, says, be of good cheer. In other words, don't worry. We have you. But I think sometimes that's a message we need to tell ourselves. You know, Jesus actually comes to release good cheer, even in our pain and our struggle. 
In fact, I think especially in our times of pain and struggle, he wants to release his joy. In John 16, verse 20, Jesus says that our sorrow turns down to joy. Now, it's easy to mistake joy for happiness and vice versa. And I'm not saying that we should go around being happy, you know, if our health is worried or our relationship breaks down. You're not suggesting we skip around Asda as we do our shopping unless we really want to. Happiness is swayed by our emotions, but joy is something of a choice. And I love this from the writer Henry Nguyen, who says, joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing every day. You see, joy is an attitude and a gift we can only truly experience in God's presence. True joy only comes from God. Now, if we unpack Jesus' answer further, you know, he says, it is Now, this may well not have been the answer they were expecting or hoping for, but it has this real deeper meaning. If you go back to the early part of the Old Testament part of the Bible, there's this central character called Moses. And in one encounter, Moses asks God, who are you? And God simply answers, I am. In other words, he was, he is, and he's yet to come. You know, and that's that's mind-blowing, isn't it? The God of we've read, we see how Peter steps out in faith, how he trusts. You know, I've always felt this affinity towards Peter. That is my middle name. Probably also because he's the kind of person who does something and then thinks about the consequences later. And I think that's exactly what's going on here. You know, Jesus is walking on water and Peter thinks, I want to do that. And so he says, Jesus, can I try that? little glimpse of pure trust. It's going really, really well until he takes his eyes off Jesus and realizing what is actually happening at all. Something that no living person has ever done except for what Jesus has done in beforehand. As I said before, this story is so much about trust and who we reach out to when times are hard. Just as much that as it is about walking on water. And I think that often like Peter, one minute we can be fixing our eyes on Jesus. You know, perhaps on a Sunday it's, you know, we can worship away. And then the next Monday morning, something happens. And it's very hard to keep our eyes fixed on him, to keep trusting him. I remember going on a roller coaster with my uh, younger son a few years back. And he's, he was really keen, so he loved it. Okay? And most roller coasters, as you know, they kind of start out quite slowly. Thinking, yeah, I like this, this is good, this is good, I'm alright with this. But then he didn't quite understand what was coming next until he went down very fast, very quickly. And he wasn't finding it too much fun by then. 
But then we got to the end of the ride and he realizes that everything's okay. And he might have actually enjoyed that. And I think sometimes life is like that. You know, we kind of think, everything's fine, everything's fine, I'm okay, I'm okay. And then something happens, whether it be sickness, job issues, stress, anxiety, and all of a sudden, we're not okay. And we can so easily begin to doubt. And you know what? I think that's normal. It's really okay. You know, we all have doubts at different times. But we need to learn to put our trust in God, as Peter almost did in the water, or on the water. So how do we grow in trust in God? Do we just try really, really hard? I don't think that's going to help us at all. But if we want to trust well, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. So that when we hit the dip on the roller coaster of life, when we feel like we're being flipped upside down, maybe we have, we know it's going to be okay. Because joy will come in the morning. You know, Psalm 30 says that weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And that's all about attitude, I think. It's a choice to be joyful in those circumstances. You know, it's not always how we expect it to come, but it will come. When we face that dip in life, we can, you know, we can choose to ignore it. We can choose to hide from it. Or we can choose to let it rip us apart. Or we can choose to embrace it with our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who makes all things new, the one who restores and redeems what was lost in our lives. And the final thing the disciples do that I just want to pull out this morning is that they recognize who God is. In verse 33, the wind died down, then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. You know, I think we'll do really, really well in life when we recognize that God is God and we are not. So often we live our lives like we are God and he is not. And I think it really starts from this place of worship, where we say that God is bigger and more important than everything else in our lives. That is where it begins. You know, we often sing, you know, Jesus, you are where it all begins. You know, a few uh, weeks back, I was up in a plane. And one of the things I love doing when I'm up in a plane is looking down and seeing everything that's going on down below. Does anyone else like to do that? Very few people like to do it because I'm not crazy. Um, but when you look down from that height, everything is tiny. You know, you see these huge lorries, kind of like, you know, kind of little figures coming down the front. It's remarkable. But when you look down from such a height, it makes you realize that everything seems so insignificant. And now and again, I need that reminder in my life. You know, I love to kind of climb up hills and kind of look down and sort of see all the, see all the, how small everything looks as well. And it reminds me not to take myself so seriously and not to take my own circumstances so seriously and to rely on God for those, to know who he is and to know what he's done for me. You know, as the psalmist says, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? We have no right to be loved by God, and yet he cares passionately. So much so that he sent his one and only son to die for us. 
you know, that's where it began for the disciples, in this place of recognizing who Jesus is. And you know, these disciples, they had some highs and lows, but ultimately, these guys changed the world. And it's, it can be the same for us. It all starts from a pl- that place of recognizing who Jesus is, but it doesn't end there. You know, whatever age we are, as Andy was sharing last week, however long we have followed Jesus, there is always more for us in God's kingdom. You know, I want, I want to end with this. And I apologize, it's not a welcome story, but it's a good one. You, you probably come across Gareth Southgate, um, supposedly the nicest man in the world, it was this week. Um, you know, up until the, these last few weeks, he was probably best known for one missing a penalty and then the pizza advert that followed that, where he basically walks around with a paper bag on his head. Um, but in the aftermath of England's penalty win last weekend, that seems a long time ago now, there was this incredible photo, if we'll just roll to the next slide, um, of Southgate hugging um, the Colombian who was just missed. And it echoed this famous image from 22 years before where it was Southgate who had missed, and he was the one being comforted. You know, Gareth Southgate went from being the comforted to the comforter. You know, he experienced this hurt and pain, didn't he? And he still carries that with him. But he hasn't let it define him. He leads with those scars. And I don't think he'd be as effective without them. leads so effectively because of what he went through, because of those wounds, not in spite of them. You know, I believe that God wants to take each of our experiences, the good and the bad, and he wants to use those for his glory, to restore us to the people that he's made us to be. I think we've allowed the experiences that we've faced in life as an excuse for not stepping into all that he has for us. And I believe that he wants to restore some of that amongst us this morning. Because he is good. He is good and he is love. And he doesn't want us to just rest on that someday. We don't have to make do with something else anymore. Because actually when we come into his presence, he is so much bigger than anything that we are going through. sang earlier, and, and, um, and Lucy just, just shared with me earlier um, as she was playing, it says, take off the great clothes. You know, he, Jesus took off the great clothes, and he stepped into the fullness of resurrected life again. And, you know, we go back to the image of Gareth Southgate. He walked around with paper bags on his head for the rest of his life, but he wouldn't have been fulfilled in all that he was going to be able to do in those times. Why don't you stand with me? You know, his presence is with us this morning. I just want to invite um, the Holy Spirit. You know, he's here already. But I want, I want to ask that we would be more aware of his presence right now. Holy Spirit, Just to 
say, I'm here and I want to you know, receive what you have for me. Lord, I thank you that you have made each one of us uniquely. Lord, I thank you that the things that we have gone through in our past are not things to be ashamed of. Are not things to be held against us. So Lord, I, I want to pray that you would start right in this moment some people because of past relationships, good or bad. I think some of us have discounted ourselves because we feel like we're either too young or too old. I think some of us are discounting ourselves because of sin, of things that have gone in the way of us between us and God, things that we've made mistakes with. so much bigger than that. And I believe he just wants us to be able to come to him, to trust in him, to not be afraid, and to step into those things, those dreams that we've had that we've discounted because we're not good enough. He says to you this morning, you are good enough. And you know what? Your dreams are so much more than that. 